Today's topic on bonus episode four of the Dismantle Life podcast is anger issues experienced in sobriety. I got to tell you, I my, I lose my temper a little bit here and there. It's always flaring like a pack of hemorrhoids. It's a pain in the ass, literally and figuratively. Uh, for the <laughs> so we're going to talk about that today and talk where that comes from, why that happens, how it happens, and apparently I am right on time for this to be happening. And with my tightly wound temper, as it were, it's a tough fit for me right now. So please text us at three three one three one zero. 7234 if you'd like to share any anger issues that you experienced in your journey to sobriety with us. We'd love to talk about them on the show. We'll leave your name out of it, but we always love hearing from you. So please share and share often. Now, I'm with the show. The anger thing, man, I, I've been going since about 26 months into sobriety, and some days are better than others, but there's long stretches where it doesn't, it feels just normal. And like, I don't think about any of it and it just happens and it's smooth. And then all of a sudden, like the past two, two and a half weeks, it's wave after crashing wave of like wooden spoon biting stress tied to being and staying sober. And then the anger just flashing out of me about the dumbest, most ridiculous shit ever. Not some guy in the street walking up and slapping me in the face. That probably wouldn't bother me. (laughs) Which would be awesome. Yeah, but some like my kid in the background with his five-year-old high-pitched glass-breaking screech sends me off the reservation. Not not at him, but just like the anger in me wells up. Yeah, and I catch myself yelling and screaming about the dumbest shit, and I'm like, I'm yelling because I lost my pencil, like stuff like that. I don't understand it. It's so yeah, it's weird. funny, man, because like it, when you brought it up to me, I, I had mentioned, I mean, I laughed a lot because I've been probably the poster child of all time of this. I mean, holy shit. My whole life, dude, like when I look back, even growing up, I had a terrible temper. And like in sports, when I would strike out, Dude, like the whole dugout would literally hide because they knew I was going to just fucking hack up the whole place and break my helmet and be like, motherfucker. Right? So it kind of like makes sense that I would be some, some way this, you know, somewhat this way. But what's weird is like, same as you, I'm, I'm a pretty, you know, like chill, funny guy most of the time. And it's interesting. Like I've owned businesses. I've been a poker player before. I've done all these things where like, I've lost money or had like huge, I've been an alcoholic where I've landed in jail and probably, you know, it kind of handed, it handled being in jail almost more like, ah, no big deal. Or like yeah. losing like 10 grand, like, ah, no big deal. More than like sometimes my headset not working for me. I'll lose my freaking mind, right? So, anyways, like when I, the reason I bring up all that context is because when I started reflecting on it, at first, I thought that's all it was, right? I thought that it was just, oh, okay, I'm getting bothered by whatever, that noise, that person, the thing being disorganized. What I started to reflect on was like, okay, well, back when I first started my first several failed attempts at sobriety, the, the reason why, one of the main reasons I failed was because I didn't have an ability to get still or to stop my mind my mind would attack me essentially. Like my, I wasn't thinking I would like thinking would, would kind of attack me. And then I would be in some headspace off 
you know, chirping off and let it in just being a slave to whatever kind of came across my mind. Because what I was doing was I was like identifying with the thoughts and then getting all hot up in there. And I didn't have, I didn't know how to meditate basically is what it came down to. And that's what meditation really is. So a lot of people are like really confused. I was forever. Like what the hell's meditation? Like didn't really register with me. All it really is, is stopping on purpose. It's consciously stopping your thinking. And what's fascinating is you find out that you are not your thoughts, right? Like you are not the thinking. That's just this voice, this chirping that's going on up there. And eventually with the the meditation technique, all you're really doing is being able to calm that all down and quiet it all to a point where you can let those thoughts just kind of go by like clouds, right? And not get attached to them. Yeah. However, if I don't do any meditation and I'll, I'll be oftentimes I'll do it even recently, I'll notice I'm getting real snippy, real like clinging on to stuff. And so what's interesting is like for me, when I finally kind of landed on my feet with sobriety with this run where I'm, you know, I'm at like that a year and seven months. So, um, you know, whatever, long, a pretty good long run. And yeah. so like before that, though, what was my problem is that I didn't grasp that part. And so I think it's so important for people to understand, because even if you're sober now or if you're thinking about it or you've you've struggled for it uh, to, to make the move, it's the same thing. Everything is the same thing. Like the reason why you drink too much is also the same reason why you lose your shit over that. Now, I'm not saying that like, if you lose your shit, you're going to go and fucking drink some Jack Daniels or something just because, you know, and ruin your sobriety. But like, it's something to definitely look at because it's, it can, it, it pulled me off. Like in the early days, I'd go four months, three months, whatever. And eventually I would get into some rage, some kind of rage or some kind of like emotional um, thing where I would get into it with somebody. Maybe it was a girl I was dating. Maybe it was a business thing. It was whatever. And I would get into some kind of a blow up or too much of a thing. And I'd go down to fuck it. I deserve a drink, you know, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> and so the reason that's why it's like near and dear to my heart. But nowadays I'm so to the point where you are, where it's these little subtle kind of blow ups. And so what I've found to be the most helpful is Buddhism. The point of what they, you know, at least what I've extracted from people like Eckhart Tolle, who's, who's mostly based on Buddhism and his great book, The Power of Now really getting to the present moment. There's only the present moment. Everything else is an illusion in reality. You can it, even whatever you do in the future, it'll occur in the present moment when you get there. Right. Yeah. So everything happens in the present moment. And so whenever you're frustrated or, or angry, you're resisting the present moment. Right. You're in some reality of some way you're going I'm not accepting this sound, this way, this something. So you're, you're resistance, right? And so what you're not doing is surrendering. So essentially when you are able to handle stress and it's in your face and, and, and you don't get triggered by it and, and you're just, you know, smooth and, you know, kind of just move on with your day, that is when you're surrendering to what is. So like Eckhart Tolle has a great phrase where he says, say yes to what is. And so it sounds so subtle, but it's like, say yes to what is. So like whatever it is that's happening in front of you, say yes to it, just acknowledge it. And this is fascinating. It worked wonders for me. And I actually think it was another Buddhist monk guy who I can never say his name right, but he's very famous. It's like <laughs> Nit Not On. 
he has this book called the something of mindfulness. And when I was first learning about, you know, trying to take control of my crazy mind, I found him as well and very similar teachings. And what he said is that you cannot actually, uh, you can't suffer if you're conscious of something. So there's a difference between having pain and a difference between having suffering. So like you can have pain, meaning like some bothering, bothersome something, you can, you can feel the pain, but you don't have to suffer and suffer requires resisting. So like if you're gonna fight something and you're gonna be resisting it, that's suffering, right? And that's what causes, suffering is the actual, the blow up. That's the suffering. Yeah. Um, not and so in reality all that's like basically what what has to happen for you there is to just learn how to become conscious of yourself being angry so this is like such a subtle thing is to say like when you're getting angry or when you're getting fired up to say it to yourself like in your own be like i'm getting angry right now i'm doing it i'm angry right now i am right now i am fired the fuck up and i'm about to but he says it and it's great hearing it from this 90 year old like buddhist monk because he's like and you stay aware of consciousness at the same, but it's the same thing though, like, cause I've done it, I'll be pissed off and you can be angry and it's okay. And he says that it's okay to be angry. The problem is when you're resisting being angry because then you do it in a little bit of an unconscious realm because you're trying to sweep it under the rug. And so you're kind of like, oh, I'm not angry, I'm not angry. And then you snap, right? And then you do something you regret. So I think just to really like boil it down is what it, what it comes to in terms of in the moment is being able just to acknowledge it, ironically, of saying like, this is what I'm seeing, this is what I'm feeling, and somehow being aware that you're just aware of it makes it go away almost instantly. Learning how to meditate, dude, is like the best investment I've ever made in my life, and it was like the smallest investment. I get it, Matt, and I agree with you. I think for me, very similar. I have a few things working against me. I've always had a bad temper, I'm Italian, and then the addiction layer too just really, really condenses that into a tight little a burstable bottle of fun. Yeah. <laughs> is the way I like to describe it. And, and so for me, I've realized, and there's a couple of things. So I used to have and still have real bad sciatica. But one of the things that I read a book that told me how to figure out what the cause of the pain is. A lot of times it's stress related or it gets triggered by stress. And what I've realized is sometimes I don't even know what's stressing me out or pissing me off. It just gets, it's like unfinished business kind of beneath the surface almost where a duck on the water and their legs are, you know, a little, they're paddling and paddling and paddling and all the duck looks fine, but it's just this buildup of pressure in me underneath kind of the surface that gets built up. So this book, I would try to figure out what was bothering me and then outwardly express it just like you said but I would outwardly say, I'm mad about this. This makes me, whatever it would be. And it would release the pressure. It wouldn't make the pain completely go away, but it would make it manageable. So what I've realized with my anger issues, the pressure of the show, the pressure of organizing the show and all the moving parts that we have to deal with day in and day out, plus our day jobs, which uh, are primary in, in our focus point, of course. And then there's family and kids and all that stuff. And then what happens if anything is out of line a little bit for me, it sends me into a rage until I can get things organized. Not OCD, crazy, all the soup cans have to be facing the same way kind of bullshit. I think I'm the same, man. I'm a madman. I mean. And so what would happen is I would be, little tiny things would trigger me off or manifest in this outward flashes of anger. But what I, what's really happening is inside me, there's unfinished 
or unresolved issues. And the issues are small. Like this particular issue, once I figured it out, one, I mean, one, I was biting the spoon a little harder because going to the show and being in my face all day, every day with lots of things around addiction where, yes, you are always recovering. But one of the things about recovery is you learn that you don't have to live in it right here in your face all day. Right. You, you kind of swim through it and there's days that are good, days that are bad, but I, you, you don't live it like constantly sit there and go, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to drink. Some people might. <laughs> but what yeah. I'm saying is it forced me to have to live in that cauldron for a very long stretch here. And, it, and that, so that was part of it. And then the other side of it that I've realized is it's a normal course of events at about 26, 27 months in, 28 months in where things are changing so much that you're naturally feeling imbalanced because your new balance is sobriety and your new life. And it's your old life trying to poke holes in it or something like mentally fatigue you, which makes you start to get angry. And this one particular issue for just to circle out my rambling here was being uh, I I was not organized enough across a couple of major moving parts of my life. One, there's some things at home I just needed to get cleaned up and tidied up. And I mean that literally like there was a few unfinished projects. The show, I had a bunch of stuff to get organized and make clear for me to think about so that I can more economically or more efficiently rather solve them. Like you have to do these next three or four things, but I had to do that times like eight or 10 different items. So you can imagine the pile up. So yeah, I I have a list over here. I can totally sympathize with that. I mean, I literally think that I probably, I mean, I'm sure I contributed a lot of my like, you know, divorce was mostly because of my entrepreneurship more than my alcoholism. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, honestly, I, I, because, yeah. like, dude, I had like, I mean, in back then I had people on payroll and like, you know, like stuff like that, where it was like, it, it's so crazy that the level of rage and emotional sort of burden yeah. and things, these kind of projects get on you, dude. Like I, if there's one thing I sympathize with, it's definitely that, man. Yeah. Um, and, and now that I've, the best part about this was it just reinforced the concept of, you can't leave things untended to for too long in a good way or a bad way. Like you, you have to be aware, just like you said, of what's going on in your life and keep things organized. You can focus on different areas at certain times, depending on what's going on. But if you leave things unfinished for too long, they become a burden. And then that burden turns into flash anger and that flash anger can turn into bad decisions. Well, and, and just to like put a flag in that is that, you know, what I said before about meditation, because I think I've learned the hard way that in even my own understanding what that word means, that it, it, it maybe is one of those words that kind of like love that is oftentimes less productive than it's intended right. to be. <laughs> yeah. More confusing maybe than others. There's so totally. many associations with it, right? So like meditation is so basic dude like people complicate the shit out of it and all it is and and i'll send you this little clip from this guy osho well hitch you probably maybe you've heard of it It it's literally the best explanation of it but all it literally is is it's consciously deciding to stop to stop everything to go within just like christians might call prayer or others might call you know visualization others may call you know, sitting with themselves, but literally making a daily practice of, and even if it's five minutes, like 10 minutes, like whatever it is where you go and you sit in a place and you take, you turn everything off, you, yeah. you get it away from you. You don't let anyone come in and talk to you. 
and you you sit there and the only thing that I do is I actually and I and I got this from OSHA. I didn't I, I had no idea what meditating was. People were slapping me in the face with it for 12 years and I was like, Am I meditating? Finally, what it was that clicked with me was the breath going in and the breath going out. So like what he says is you follow your breath with your consciousness when you're when it's going in. So you just with your mind follow the path consciously of your air on the inhale. So like in, and then when it gets up to the top, like of a, of an inhale, there's a point where the air stops for a second and then goes out. So there's a point in every breath actually, where you're not breathing. You just don't really like think about it. It's like that up at the top. And he says, what you want to do is track your breath all the way in up until that point where the air turns the direction and then follow it all the way back out. And in doing that with your mind, you can't do anything else, by the way, because you're following that breath all the way through it. And so the perfect breath is that you just literally are perfectly in the present moment, following that breath all the way through the cycle. And then you're doing that over and over again, ideally for 20 minutes when you get really good at it. And while you're doing that, your mind shuts off, right? Sometimes it sucks, right? Sometimes I'll sit there for 20 minutes and and all I can think about is everything I don't want to think about. But I still sit there and I like reconnect with myself. The main point is not about any weird spiritual stuff. It's mostly about, you're just talking to yourself. So like the point you just said of like not letting things go too long unattended, I would argue that more than a day is too long. Starting to get with yourself daily, whatever time it is, I mean, Ideally, maybe it's right in the beginning of the day. Uh, some people are like, wait, I'm not, me- I'm going to wake up and meditate. It's crazy. Try it. Yeah. You literally get still before you get started. Like, because when you sit still and you shut your mind down and you're just peaceful there for a minute and you just remind yourself of who you are. Yeah. I always say this is it. I know who I am in truth. I know what I am in truth. I know how I serve in truth. I am free. I am free. I am free. And I say that five times in the morning. And I sit there and when I say that, I know who I am in truth. I can remember what are my true like obligations, my true contributions, um, not any of my egomania or any of that. And and like whatever it is, you you come back. It's just a reorienting to what you're doing, why you're doing it, you know, how far you've come giving gratitude. And it's so fascinating, though, that these it could be five minutes. It could be 20. It could be 13. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is for someone to basically affirm that I am still 100% committed to my own self-love, my own sobriety, and I'm going to encounter things like Marcus Aurelius always says in his, in a lot of his stuff in that meditations um, stuff you can read of his 2000 years old, but it's brilliant is um, he reminds himself in the day, every morning, obviously he's, he's long gone at this point, but he would remind himself every day, that he was going to encounter very frustrating things, very terrible things, and to that he must remember, remain in grace in the face yeah. of, of this. So I think that's another thing to add to your meditation is to be like, look, you're going to encounter stuff that's going to make you want to fucking kill a dove. But guess what? <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> and look, you're going to still do it. You're still going to fuck up. I still fuck up a lot, but I fuck up a lot less. I even yeah. try to not screw, like talk shit in the car anymore, for example. I used to yell a lot in the car, like someone, oh, this fucking guy's cut me off. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I used to love doing that stuff. I try, I still do it, 
but I do it way less and I'm trying to get down to basically zero, right? And the same thing, just of like all the little judgments or like getting into like chirping and bantering, even like negative commentary on like the internet. I wouldn't, I don't want to engage. I don't want to watch like- I avoid it. I, I, yeah, I, don't, wanna, I don't want to watch violent, ugly movies even. Like- I No, don't, I don't either. Right? Like that. I, I'm See, the one thing that I've realized, and I don't know if this is true for all recovering addicts or not, I can't wing it anymore. Like, I think what got me in the trouble in my life is winging it and letting it just kind of happen. I need to, now you can't always accomplish 100% of what you want to accomplish every day. That's anyone that says they can is lying. I mean, sure. you just, you can't do it. But what I, what I can do is organize my day or days in a way so that if I don't accomplish the three tasks, I only accomplish two, I can move the third task that's unfinished to tomorrow or the, whenever it is appropriate. And it helps me stay cool, calm, and collected inside. And if I let, if I don't keep some kind of notes about what's going on to stay organized, then I'm winging it. And when I wing it, I start to get frantic. When I get frantic, I get angry. When I get angry, I yell and scream. And then I start freaking out because I can't find the 0.5 lead for my fucking pencil. Yeah. And then, I'll, you know, which, which happened, I say that because I'm looking at, you can see me because we're looking on camera, the, the listeners can't, but I'm holding up this, I use this little blue engineering pencil. I don't know, is that what you call these pencils? Like the one you put the lead into? I used to call it mechanical, but. Yeah, okay, yeah, mechanical pencils. Um, that's, that's probably accurate. That's, in fact, it's not an engineering, it's the mechanical pencil. So I like them because they've got a little bit more weight. You put the lead in there, right? Whatever the reason is. But I couldn't find my refillable cartridge and I was out of lead and I was mid-note. <laughs> Dude, it, 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 my, my, it, like I lost my shit, and I'm like, that's when I called you. I'm like, listen, I got something's wrong. Like this, yeah. is, this is crazy. And then I, after we quickly talked, I said, I, I sat down and I ran the gauntlet in my mind, saying, what, what, what's, what's the, the root cause of this? And I'm like, okay, so what am I doing differently that I was doing so well at before? And it was. I was leaving things unfinished and I wasn't following my own personal notes, if you will, about working a routine in a positive way and, and all of that stuff. And I was walking and boxing and staying exercised and staying on that path. But what I wasn't staying on was the path of being kind of organized in my routines. Now, I'm not saying stringently, like I said before, all the soup can labels face in the same direction in the cabinet. But maybe, but, right? Maybe. Like maybe yeah. if but that's what, what you need, then that's what you need. Of course. And, but what I'm saying is I, oh, yeah. I just overlooked some, some core fundamental things and it manifested itself into this anger thing along with, and the one thing that I thought too is old me is trying to disrupt the new me yeah. because I, there was an imbalance in there and that weakness, because my, I know myself so well would have tripped me before into drinking, partying yeah. or smoking. And thankfully it didn't. And so that's what this section, this segment's about. Yeah, is so that's that, the good news, right? That's the great that's news. Yeah. Even though it wasn't a lot of fun and maybe you were like having some friction. So like, there's a couple of points there. Like one is that's very key is that you're not always going to feel good. Okay. Right. And you, that's the biggest one. Yeah. And one of the biggest misnomers in modern society is that because happiness is way oversold right now, right? Everyone, oh, happy. <laughs> what are you happy? Happy, happy, happy. It's back to, it's like love, right? Like nobody knows what happy means. Nobody knows right. what the fuck that that's is. Like, exactly. chasing happiness. Then if they feel something they think is not happy for five seconds, it's a failure. And then they go drink. To feel, you know, it's like, (laughs) I just wanted to put an asterisk on that is that, hey, part of being a human being is that you're not going to feel fucking good all the time. 
got news for you. And if you're going to have success in your life, you're surely not going to feel good all the time. Because you're going to have to do a lot of things that just aren't really that much fun if you're going to have an exceptional reality. But the anger part, and, and I learned this, you know, back when I was working a lot with with ayahuasca, I had I never could get to the reason why I was so freaking angry about certain things. And I learned that there's basically an emotional cycle that you go through, right? And so when you are angry, angry, this goes back to uh, basically frequencies, right? So like really low frequency kind of emotions is, is fear and like high frequency is love. And then you basically have everything in, in between. And so um, you can kind of measure it actually with like a, like a sonogram in a sense, like if something is very low frequency, like it'll sound like sad and angry and like, and like, like, it's actually like there's physics to this shit. If you looked at like, where is something located, like on the frequency map, almost like an altitude map, right? Any kind of like behavior, action, ultimately energy is located somewhere on that like higher low. And so what the key is, is to understand is it's like, you know, the low is fear and the high is love. So what is fear? Well, fear is resistance. So fear requires a lack of information or some bit of like unknowing. Unknown is the key on fear. So like to make fear keep going, you have to have an unknown. And so in order for, you know, to, to feed into fear, or when you're feeling fear, which is also disguised as many things, right? So there's really only two emotions, fear and stress. Well, fear is the same as like anger, it's uh, rage, it's, you know, uh, you know, bitterness, all of that stuff has a layer of fear under it. And so when you unpack all of that, guess what you're doing when you're getting angry? You're finding familiar territory. Why? Because you're in unknown territory because you haven't structured your shit right? Like stuff starting to float around. You're starting to lose a little bit of of North going, Oh fuck. I got a bunch of stuff going on. Oh, wait a minute. I made a commitment. I made an agreement to myself. I was going to do, you know, all this great work for the dismantled life podcast. And I'm this new man, Anthony Capizzoli. And I'm so, and now all of a sudden chaos, because you're seeing that maybe I'm not going to fulfill that thing that I said and fear starts to raise up, raise up, raise up. Well, guess what? The easiest fucking way to find your feet on the ground is when things are chaotic emotionally, as opposed to being vulnerable and letting it kind of feel out anger. Anger is the lowest stakes ground finding emotion. It is in any other emotion. If you're in any of emotion that you're feeling, you go to anger right to the ground. It'll kill all the others. It's a neutralizer. It will end the show. The circus is over all the everything. That's why when you see a lot of people in kind of like crazy scenarios, they'll fucking just shoot somebody. They'll just like, or they'll just, instead of feeling really like awkward, like you'll see crazy people, they don't, instead of feeling a new feeling, they'll fucking do something out of anger because that brings you back to, even though it's crazy and it's painful, it's familiar. And so that's what happens, right? And so like, let yourself feel the feeling a little bit longer. This is what I'm saying. It's like, it's a really subtle piece of advice is that like, when you're feeling whatever the feeling is, that's kind of right before you go, fuck, like (laughs) let it, let it go just a little bit longer and try to avoid identifying with it. And it's like, eventually your chest plate will kind of like open up. Your heart will open up a little and you'll go, Oh, holy shit. I just felt a feeling. 
right? And about being vulnerable for anybody else like me who didn't learn that word until last week. I'm going to read this because I, I posted on Twitter, Sleepy Sausage, actually. And I'm, I'm going to mention her by name because she was very, very helpful. In fact, it caps it encapsulates exactly what we just talked about. So my post is, Ugh, I've been struggling with flash anger issues lately. Is this normal at 26 months? I'm sorry to anyone that's felt any of it. I suck today. And Sleepy Sausage wrote, wrote back or posted, tweeted back. Unfortunately, it is. What, uh, what way is it presenting? Are you angry about current stuff or things that happened when you were using? Not being intrusive, just trying to see if I can give any advice. I'll be 39 months on Monday, all being well. I wrote back, not intrusive. Little things set me off. My kids screeching, things not in order, incomplete tasks, little things, never big things. And then she writes, which I think this is truly wonderful. We are all different. My experience is that life was so disorganized and chaotic when I was using that I now cannot stand disorder or changes that I haven't mentally pre-approved, noise, erratic behavior of others, etc. I don't know if this makes any sense. I'm going to continue just two more quick tweets because I think it, it really helps. And I wrote back, this helps a lot. Thank you. This describes my addicted life versus my sober life perfectly. I appreciate the help. And then finally, she writes in a, in a loving way. And I, this is so great of Sleepy Sausage. And I say this because people don't realize how helpful it is to be part of a community on Twitter or on Facebook or whatever it is, just to reach out and express yourself and ask for help. And this wonderful tweet back came. And these little subtleties too. I think people always think it needs to be some, that's this really far off thing. Sometimes it's just this little subtle way of like thinking about it differently. Yeah. And she writes back, it's difficult to compartmentalize the two and separate. I expect everyone to have grown the way I have in recovery, but I forget that the rest of the people in my life aren't in recovery and probably didn't need to change the way I did. I was told to recognize emotional growth in me. Like how perfectly stated is that? And this really was just a tweet and she came in and tweeted back to help me. She doesn't know who the hell I am besides from my Twitter post and to my Twitter feed. And so to Sleepy Sausage out there, I do want to say thank you very much for being so helpful because it spurred a... This episode of the Dismantle Life podcast, which I think is really important for anyone going through what we've all gone through. And then it helped me reach out to my co-host Tyson here, who I lean on quite a bit. And we lean on each other to kind of get through these situations together. And he and I had talked about this. We decided to make this conversation in and of itself its own episode, which I'm grateful for. And thanks to the Twitter community out there, because there's so many wonderful people that are very helpful and are supportive in their tweets, basically sharing their feelings, their emotions, where they're at today, and most importantly, being supportive of others kind of going through this stuff. And this is not a broadcast to support or do some bullshit about, you know, Twitter this or Twitter that or follow me. I'm just saying that I don't think that none of this could be possible if it wasn't for the support of the communities out there that help other addicts. And that's that's the main thing. So thanks again, Sleepy Sausage. I really appreciate the help. And one thing, and that's great because I mean, I, I always am fascinated and always attempt to remember too that, you know, one phrase, one thing here or there can just be all the difference in, in helping somebody through something as well. So like if you're out there and you have a piece of advice for somebody, um, anybody listening to this, I mean, don't, don't think that your comment can't, you know, really help somebody. Um, and... So, I mean, one thing I was thinking about too, when you, you shared with me the other day, I was reflecting on it and I was like, you know what it is, right? Because when you like, when you get sober, finally, um, you know, if you're like me and, and I know Anthony's story as well is like, 
you know, you, you drug yourself across rock bottom for a long period. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I really know? did. So it's not like you just tried once. And, hey, what do you know? I'm sober, right? So like, <laughs> no. yeah, I imagine this guy kind of trying to push a ball up the hill and like this time this, he yeah. gets up there a little bit and then it rolls back over and smashes him. And then back when he mends his legs and gets the guts to do it again, he starts Here we go again. Head. Yeah. And yeah. like, you know, and so like you got yourself into this position where it was against all odds, right? Because you were an addict, you were in this terrible situation. And so through grace and, you know, your own self-worth and in all the different ways that you had your epiphany that woke you up and you chose yourself and all of us that have, you know, started a sobriety journey know those first steps is that you have to muster up anything and everything that you have deep inside of your soul for maybe even multiple lifetimes back. I mean, it's like a serious amount of mustering up and there's no room for little mincing of, of mistakes. There's no room for just one drink. There's no room right. for any of this stuff. And so you turn into this absolute power dictator who is who's in a war zone, man, because you are. Right. And so for the first and you need that. Right. I, I totally encourage that when people are starting, you know, do not you know, feel great about separating yourself completely from everything. But eventually, Anthony, you know, you're what you say, 27 months in, God bless or something like this. So at that point, well, you still have that mind from back then, but your surroundings aren't exactly that way. And so you're probably taking out that level of aggression on your, you know, your mechanical pencil, right? <laughs> when, when before, you know, <laughs> that, that level of shit was needed, right? To get that fucking ball up the hill, finally to like get over those sobriety humps and you weren't able to accept even a millimeter of, of compromise. You weren't able to allow one little, you know, drink or smoke or this. You had to go on absolute fucking dictator mode in yeah. the Anthony Capizzoli kingdom, right? And so I think that a lot of it is that after you've been doing that for a year or two, you, because it's, it's happened to me too, when I go hang out with other regular people after I'd been kind of on the sober sabbatical, like, you know, I fucking come back and hang out with normal people. And I'm like some weird fucking Rambo guy who like doesn't eat things that others eat and I don't drink and I don't do this. And I don't go there. And I'm like, I got all these rules. And so like, I could totally imagine I don't have children or or really anybody I have to like sort of integrate with, I would be probably, I mean, I would, I would appear to be a complete madman to them. But just remember that is that that force that you mustered and did everything to get to where you are the, in business, there's a, a great saying of what got you here won't get you there. Um, once you get over a certain growth plate, right? And so it's like, you know, you're probably just applying a lot of your early stage, like street fighter tactics that you need to get from zero days sober to, you know, 30 and 60 and 90 and however many. And now maybe it's just, you know, adding a, a bit of a, a a refinement to to a few of those things and being like, OK, and that's just consciousness. Right. And that's why I think the meditation is key at, at the level of being able to, like, check in with yourself daily to kind of breathe through it, plan for stress, plan for triggers, plan for people who are on a different trajectory to, to cross your path. But, you know, you're still going to have those problems and you're still going to blow up and you're still going to do it again. You will. At some point, you're going to do it again 
And the secret is, is you just have to be able to forgive yourself. Cause my problem was, is I would get really fucking angry and then I would get even more angry at myself about the fact that I had gotten angry at someone else, you know? And so make sure you're able to kind of let it go too. So I think, you know, just to wrap it up here for this, this episode, which I think this has been really helpful. Um, and I hope it was helpful for the listeners, but my flash anger and it, for me, just to sum it up was I was getting angry flash anger and by that, I mean, it, it was about nothing substantial. It was about no lead for the mechanical pencil. It was uh, about like a, a gum wrapper on the floor in the garage. Stupid shit. My flash anger came from an imbalance caused by my winging it instead of being organized with my life, which I, I desperately need because being an addict, I can't just fucking wing it. That's what got me here in the first place. And I need to, and, and that imbalance. Process, right? Like getting, yeah. keeping the daily process and practice, the winging it is... It's dangerous. It is. It is. And what is winging it? Let's define what winging it. Winging it is the unknown. It's flying by the seat of your pants. What is the unknown? Right here. The unknown is fear. There's no no ifs and or buts. If there's unknown, there is fear. If your fear goes up, your your likelihood of of falling off the wagon or doing any kind of bad shit. Yeah, is absolutely. Always. And, and for me, the Italian temper thing, and I'm Italian, so I can say this. And coming from the bloodline that I do as an Italian in my family, uh, <laughs> it's 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 a it's a, a son long, of a bitch, man. A long like, bloodline of tempers. A long bloodline of tempers. Like what'd you say? <laughs> you yeah, son yeah. of a bitch. Did you say pass the fucking breath? Like, yeah. then just fucking say and forget about it. The the wedding's a disaster. We're brawling <laughs> in the fucking middle of the dance floor. But I'm kidding, of course. I'm I, I'm I'm saying I get it, dude. I was a, I mean, I'm not even Italian, and I I I grew up with all that kind of stuff. I mean, like my grandfather when he would come, he would call us. We would come into to he'd call us out in the backyard. They come and eat or whatever. And if we if he had to call us a second time, oh, yeah, yeah. he would smack us in the back. He'd wait inside the doorway, right? When we would come in finally, <laughs> and we didn't know where he was. And he would just belt us in the back of the fe- the head and we would land on our faces in the carpet and go, oh, okay, I guess it's Yeah, oh, yeah no like, doubt. There was no second calling to dinner. There was man, celebrating right? of like temper too though, right? Like I think that's the, the hilarious part about the Italians or like viral failures, like, People used to brag about how mad they got, right? Oh, you should have seen what I did. I got all fired up. I no doubt. Yeah. That guy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I've, I've come a long way to avoid or stay part of that process. And, you know, just as, as a final wrap, um, I appreciate the conversation, Tyson. It was very helpful. And, and again, Sleepy Sausage, thank you so much for your help. You know, reach out and find help. You can find it in surprising places. If you genuinely are looking for help, people, there's good out there. I mean, people will help you. They, they don't need to know who you are and it doesn't have to be glorious, but they'll help. And that's what we're here for too. So that's the end of this show. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Dismantled Life Podcast, bonus episode four, Anger and Sobriety. Hey, check us out at dismantled.life. Text us directly at 331 310 Seven two three four. Share any anger issues that you experienced on your journey to sobriety. We would love to hear from you. And a very special thanks to at Sleepy Sausage on Twitter. You're the best. You're a lifesaver, and I appreciate the help.